0: I could Dear Jesus, Bless them, Lord, anyway. Pay evil with kindness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many are ready to receive the Word of God this morning? How many are expecting to receive the Word of God? Remember, it's not just up to the pastor. It's up to you guys. You come hungry, God will meet you where you're at. Amen. You know, it's so funny because, you know, I go... And when I go to see a minister or I sit under, you know, I'm studying or whatever, listening to different ministers. I'm, I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to teach me, to lead me and guide me into the truth of the word of God. Amen. I want to I, I wanna continue to develop and grow in my walk with him. And I, I have recognized, and this is something I learned a long time ago when I was in Canaan land. When I went through Canaan Land Ministries, uh, there was a, a counselor there. And he used to tell me, the way he said it to me is, you need to max out with everything that God has for you every time you go into And he was talking about going into classes at Cana, I mean, excuse me at, at Rama, But he told me, max out, get it all. And that's what I endeavor to do. In, in, in other words, maintain a teachable spirit. Don't think that you've arrived. Don't think that when a okay, we're going to turn to this scripture. And your, your first thought is... I already know that scripture. Do you really know all there is to know about that scripture? Has, any th- have, has there ever been a time when a minister shares a scripture that you have heard maybe lots of times, but this time something is said that you've never seen there before? Has that ever happened to anybody but me? I know that happens, and God, God is wanting to do these kinds of things. I heard you're going to show up because Mama was here. That's what I heard. <laughs> Eric's like, I'm getting you in trouble with your mama now. Oh, can I, oh, I, just, I just remembered I have something else I want to do as well. I want to read something to you real quickly. I got this the other day when we were over in uh, uh, Fortress of Joy. This is, uh, how many have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth was a mighty, I mean, he was used mightily by the Lord in the early 1900s, maybe the late 1800s, I'm not 100% certain. Uh, I know he went home to be with the Lord in 1939. But anyway, um, I mean, he was used by God to raise the dead. Like, I think there's 17 people that were he raised from the dead. How many know that's being used mildly by God? Amen. And so anyway, before he stepped off into eternity, um, he, was with, he was with Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall was... Another mightily, I mean, used mightily by God, and um, he too has gone home to be with the Lord. But he spoke these words to Lester Summerall right before he stepped off of this earth. Um, This is 1939, World War II was ready to break out, and he said, with tears rolling down his face, Smith cried, saying, I probably won't see you again now. My job is almost finished. As he continued to pray, he cried, I see it. I see it. Brother Summerall asked, what do you see? What do you see? He said, I see a healing revival coming right after World War II. It will be so easy to get people healed. I see it. I see it. I won't be here for it, but you will be. And there was a healing revival right after the war. I don't know if you knew that or not. It was a phenomenal healing revival that took place. I mean, exactly what he prophesied came to pass. He continued to prophesy. I see another one. I see people of all different denominations being filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the charismatic revival. God raised up people during that era, era like the full gospel businessmen. Then Brother uh, Wigglesworth continued, I see another move of God. I see auditoriums full of people coming with no books. There will be a wave of teaching on faith and healing. How many know we experienced that? It was called the Word of Faith movement. A lot of really powerful teachers of the Word of God that were teaching the body of Christ about faith and about healing and so forth. And then he prophesied, and this is the one I want you to hear. All of the ones he prophesied about came to pass, except for this one. This is the one we are now in. He said, after that, after the third wave, he started sobbing. Sobbing, he's crying so hard. I see the last day revival. That's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of the gifts of the spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet earth. Now get this. I see hospitals being emptied out. And they will bring the sick to churches where they allow the Holy Ghost to move. Now, if He was used by God as mightily as He was, and He prophesied all three of these different ones prior to this, do you not think that this final one shall also come to pass? is coming to pass? Now, then it comes down to this: Do we allow Holy Ghost to move in our services? Do we allow Holy Ghost to move in our services? Or, 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 or are we sticklers to sticking to whatever we think we're supposed to do? See, as far as I'm concerned, I know Holy Spirit knows better than I know. He knows exactly what this body of believers needs right there, right then, at that very time, at that very moment. And so, you know, when I tell you to come into agreement with me and begin to speak from your mouth, I covet the gifts of the Spirit, God. I want you to start really doing that. I want you to do that. We need to all be charging ourselves up. We need to charge the atmosphere with faith and expectancy. The gifts of the Spirit are genuine. They're real. And I've seen different ones like Mark and Trina Hankins flow in the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And for a person to sit there and say, that's just somebody making something up, you've never seen and heard the way they do it. It is phenomenal. You know it's God. Amen. I've seen other gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. There are some times where the gifts of healings are in manifestation. You know what I'm talking about with that? A supernatural healing that takes place, and it's not based upon the faith of the person. Can God do something like that? Does God want to do that? Why? He wants to demonstrate to the world that He is genuine. That he is real, that he is good, that he's just as powerful today as he was when Jesus walked the earth. Amen. I am expecting it as your pastor. I'm just crying out with everything in me that you'll hook up with me and believe God with me. Because God is wanting to do these kinds of things today in the earth. Because there is so much darkness out there. But there's so much light in here. And the light is always greater than the darkness. If we will just get bold about it, believe Him for it, then take it out there. Glory to God. Oh, I'm telling you, God has wanted to do some miraculous things through you and me. Amen. Glory to God. All right, that was all for free today. That didn't cost you nothing. Joke, thank you for the two chuckles. Hallelujah. Well, this morning... I want to continue with our study about finding out and then following the example of what manner of man Jesus was when he walked the earth. We're, how many know that we're called to pray like Jesus? We're called to walk in love like Jesus. And you know what that means? That means walking in forgiveness. Forgiveness not only toward others that, have, you know, there's a good possibility In fact, I'll even say it this way. There's a great possibility that people have done you wrong in your life down through the years. But we're still called to forgive them. Amen. Just like Jesus forgave us when he was on that cross. Amen. And then we're called to operate in divine authority. Just like Jesus. And we're called to be found faithful. Just like Jesus. And then as of late, we've been looking how... Jesus handled suffering when he walked the earth. Did Jesus suffer when he was here? The Bible brings it out very clearly that he did. And once again, we're called to follow in his footsteps and handle those trying times just like Jesus did. We've seen how when the religious leaders and the Roman uh, uh, Romans hurled insults at him, the Bible tells us he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, he committed himself and the horrendous things he was facing to Almighty God. Giving God the avenue to work on his behalf and enable Jesus to accomplish everything he was sent here to do. Did you hear what I just said there? I don't, I, you know, I, <laughs> thank you, Lord. I'm starting to sweat. Sorry. I don't know if, when, when I make a statement like I just said, like I just made, I think a lot of times people still think that Jesus, when he was here on the earth, did what he did as, a, as God. I mean, he is, he was, he always will be the Son of God, right? So for me to say that he had to commit it to God, his Father, in order to give God, his Father, the avenue to work on his behalf, that doesn't compute in their hands. They can't comprehend that. I mean, he's the Son of God. Why does he need the Father to assist him? Why does he need to have that avenue for God to move in his life? Well, then, why does the Bible tell us in Acts 10, how the, it was with, that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the, of the devil. And so the point being is if he was operating as the Son of God, why did he need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit? Is it, are you following how I'm saying that? But see, Jesus demonstrated to us how we're supposed to do it when we are faced with our sufferings. And guess what? If you have never faced suffering in your life, wait, and you will. And I'm not speaking doom and gloom over you. I want you to comprehend and understand. Guess what? We live in a sin-filled, cursed world. And we have an enemy who is out to kill us. He's out to steal from us. He's out to destroy us. That is his M.O., his method of operation, kill, steal, and destroy. And so when you are being faced with challenges, and you will be, we've got to get to that place and understand that when that happens, first of all, we've got to think to ourselves, everybody goes through this. I'm not the only one. I'm not an isolated case. And then second of all, you've got to ask yourself, am I facing this ch- I mean, this challenge right now? Am I going through this test right now? Am I being, going through these sufferings right now because I'm living for God or because I haven't been living for God? Because they'll come either way. But how many know you would want it to come because you're living for God rather than coming because you're not? Because if you're not living for God, you're the one that opened the door to it. Yay. But guess what's so good about God? Guess what's so good about Him? Even if you have done something you're not supposed to do and you open the door to the enemy, you know how, listen to this, you open the door to the enemy by doing something wrong. But guess what you can do just as quickly? Slam the door back in His face. How do you do that? God, forgive me. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I ask you to forgive me. I receive the cleansing flow of the blood of Jesus right now. And you said in your word, if I confess my sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And not only that, but you said in your word that you remove my sins as far from me as the east is from the west. Glory to God. And you now choose not to remember them anymore. Then you stand before God once again justified. Just as if I had never sinned at all. What a good God. But, But let's go to this other side. You are living for God. You are doing what's right in His sight. But you still get these challenges. That's good. It's going to happen. And then when that happens, we're supposed to do exactly what Jesus did. Entrust ourselves to Him who judges uh, justly. Amen. Praise God. In other words, we commit to Him not only our own lives, but the th- situations we're, we're going through. And that automatically opens the door or the avenue, as I called it, for him to come and work on our behalf. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Dan, why doesn't he just do it anyway? Why doesn't he just come and move on my life anyway? Because that's not the way he operates. He gave us a free will. He gave us the uh, uh, ability to make our own decisions, to make our own choices. I mean, when you got up today, I mean, I I don't know if you did it this way. Probably not. Probably most people don't. And for people who do, so be it. But when you got up today, you probably didn't go into your closet and say, okay, God, what am I supposed to wear? And you started to pray. And you began to, you know, fast and and hoping God's going to show you what you're supposed to wear to, to church. How many did that today? No, don't show hands. I don't do that. I literally walk in there and I just pick my clothes out that I'm going to wear. Well, actually, my wife picks it. Well, never mind. We're going to go there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, why did I get off on that, Lord? Hallelujah. What did I get off on that, James? Help me. Thank you. God has given us a free will. In other words, God cannot come into our lives and do what he wants to do for us. He's already done for us through the work of Jesus unless we give him permission to do so. Unless we open ourselves up to him. Unless we commit ourselves to him in the situations we're facing. And what's so good about it when you do it? I say this, you've heard me say this before. But you know what I do before each church service? I do it when I'm praying on Saturdays. I do it in the morning. Lord, I commit the service to you. I declare my trust in you. And I fully believe you're going to bring this service to pass exactly the way you want it to come to pass. Amen. That's what happens. When you commit it to him, it gives him that avenue to come and work on your behalf. And how many know that God can get the job done a whole lot better than you could in and of yourself? Hello. Praise the Lord. Man, that was some good preaching. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Anyway, and so what we've also looked at is we were looking how the early church handled the sufferings that they went through. And we've been focusing in on the Apostle Paul. I am convinced besides Jesus, there wasn't another Christian who faced the tests and the trials and sufferings that Paul faced. And we took the time and we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I mean, Paul went through some crazy things. How many have ever read, haven't? Weren't here for that when we covered those. I mean, we're talking about whippings. We're talking about beatings. We're talking about stonings. In fact, left for dead. We're talking about shipwrecks. And on and on and on it goes. Paul went through a whole lot. He suffered for Jesus. Amen. In other words, he was living for God. And he went through all of that stuff. And so, what we we looked at, what we began to look at is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in fact, you can go there right now. I want to pick this up where we left off. If you have not been here and you want to catch back up, you can go. We have uh, podcasts on our webpage, colcbozeman.org. It's totally free. You can go look it up and listen to any of these ones that you may have missed. Because this one right here, what we're talking about right here, it's called Paul's storn in the flesh. And this particular teaching has caused a whole bunch of people to believe certain things about the Apostle Paul and what he went through and, and the, the, uh, uh, how the Lord responded to him to make it out to say things that I don't believe it says. And so what we've been doing is we've been going through the Word of God to determine what exactly does the Word say here. Amen. And beginning in verse 8... I want to just start there. We actually started in verse 7 before. But it says, Paul says this, concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, and again, the Bible brings it out, this thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And where did we see those repeated blows happen? Or where were they described? In 2 Corinthians 11. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Would you have done the same? In fact, I don't know about you, but after the first beating with a Roman whip, with those things coming across my back, and those rocks and stones and sharp objects tearing into my flesh, I would have been begging him from right then. I mean, he says he only did it three times. I would have been doing it every day. God, 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 I'm living for you. I'm living for you. I'm living for you. I don't want to go through this anymore. But he says he just repeated three times, Lord, that this might depart from me. Verse 9, and he said to me, and he said to me, this is the Lord responding to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, for my strength is made perfect in, weak, in weakness. Now, last week I made this statement in closing. Paul's thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And I, again, I, you can see that in verse 7. In other words, now get this, The thorn in the flesh was Satan's ability released against Paul. Satan's ability released against Paul. So what is the grace of God referred to in verse 9? The grace of God was God's ability released toward Paul, which enabled him to keep standing no matter what the enemy threw at him. Glory to God. So the thorn in the flesh was Satan's ability released against Paul, while God's grace was God's ability released toward Paul. See, God had a plan for Paul in his ministry. That Paul's ministry would be highly exalted above measure. Not in a sense of pride, but in a sense of achievement, of accomplishment. Are you listening? And because this was God's plan... For Paul, Satan was totally against it. What God is for, the devil's against. What the devil is for, God's against. I don't think I need to go back and reiterate what I said a couple of last, I don't know if it was last Sunday or the Sunday before. But God and the devil are not on the same team. Light and darkness do not mix. Life and death do not mix. Healing and, and health do not mix with sickness and disease. See how I'm saying that? God and the devil are not on the same team. And whatever the devil is for, God is against. And because God wanted Paul, get this, to have a highly effective ministry and a highly successful ministry, Satan sent this demonic messenger to try and stop this plan. But let me ask you, did Paul end up having a highly effective and successful ministry? So what does that mean to you and me? Glory to God. Listen, God's grace, God's ability uh, 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 released toward Paul is greater, is greater than Satan's ability released against him. Get that. Understand that about the grace of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Amen. So although the devil unleashed his ability against Paul through this demonic messenger, through this thorn in the flesh, he failed in keeping Paul, from achieving God's plan for his life. Why? Because verse 9 says, My grace, that the Lord said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, the Lord was saying to him, Paul, my plan is for you to go beyond the usual mark, and my grace is sufficient to get you there. Even though Satan has sent one of his messengers against you as a thorn in the flesh. How will you be able to go beyond the usual mark and have a highly effective ministry? Because my ability released towards you is greater than the devil's ability released against you. Woo! see, that's what God was saying that to Paul. But that's what God is saying to us, too. Oh, I'm I'm hoping the revelation is starting to dawn on your heart a little bit here. Oh, this is such good news. God's ability released toward us is always greater than the devil's ability released against us. And the devil will always be releasing his ability against us because he wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to steal from us. But God's ability is greater than that. Did you, let me ask you a question. If the devil could kill you, do you not think you'd already be dead? I mean, the moment you said Jesus coming to my heart, that was the biggest failure. He wanted to keep people, he wants to keep people from getting born again. But once that happens, what is his next biggest thing he's trying to achieve? To take you out. To try to get you out off of this earth. He doesn't want you to live successfully on this earth and as a tremendous witness for Jesus Christ. See how I'm saying that? So the devil's trying to take you and me out. And that shouldn't scare us at all. That should just simply mean that, glory to God, we're doing what's right right now. We're living the way we're supposed to live right now. And glory to God, because I am. I can call upon that grace of God and know when it's released to to me that it's going to help me defeat and overcome anything the devil throws at me. Woo! Already got it. See, I'm studying this, and this gets me excited, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now look at, uh, read that again, verses 8 and 9. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, Pastor Dan, Paul saying he had infirmities. That means he was sick. No, it does not study the Greek meaning of the word. That's not what that means. Although, listen, in some cases it was brought out. That word has been used. In some cases, but most of the time it's not, for sicknesses. And as we already said, in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul lists everything that he went through. And nowhere in that list, and it was a long list, is there any mention of sickness? None. None none all right thank you i thought it was good good news in other words listen this is what this is what paul was getting out of this i'm not going to feel sorry for myself i'm not going to feel sorry for myself i'm not going to go around complaining and grumbling because of all that i've had to go through instead i'm going to rejoice in the lord And I'm going to yield myself to the grace of God. And I know that whenever I do, I'll end up going beyond the usual mark. I'll end up having a highly successful ministry. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Meaning, when I am weak in and of myself, now get this, when I get beyond my own abilities, then I'm reminded to trust in and rely upon the grace of God. Did you hear that? And then he equips me with his abilities and he strengthens me with his strength. Have you ever gotten to the end of yourself? Have you ever got to that place where you're like going, God, I don't I don't know what to do. But I know you do. That's when grace kicks in. That's when God's ability kicks in. That's when all of a sudden you start to get these thoughts and these ideas rising up in your heart. And you start to think, I never thought about that before. Man, what about And then you find when you step out and you start to do that, all of a sudden, doors start to open up. And things start to change in your life. Whoo! glory to God. Thank you. Now, listen. We know. In fact, I want you to say it with me. Everybody say, God's grace is sufficient for me. Say it again. But Pastor Dan, you just don't know how bad it's been for me. You don't know. (laughs) Nobody knows. The troubles I've seen, nobody do seems to care. I tore that song up. Anyway, <laughs> you know, again, I'm trying to help you here. I know from whence I speak. I know what it's like to fill up my wit's end. I know what it's like to sit there and you're like, I mean, I'm crying. Like, oh, God, where are you? <laughs> and God is saying, hey, my grace is See, what we want is we want God to change all of these external circumstances, all of these, these, these great challenges we go through. He, we want him to change it and make it where everything just lines up perfectly. No challenges. It's just, are you throwing things at me? Hallelujah. It, 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 no, no, seriously. Seriously. A lot of times we go to God and say, God, you see what I'm going through? Now change it. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to understand, there's going to be times, in fact, a lot of times, he won't. Oh, Pastor Dan, what you talking about? He will not always change what we're going through. Why is that? Because he knows we can overcome it. See, we've got to realize this god's grace will enable us to overcome it come out victoriously and it's only when we're going through the tests and trials and these challenges and these sufferings that come against us that we're going to find out where the rubber meets the road where well, we're going to find out where we're at spiritually are we going to buckle under the pressure and say i can't do this or are we going to say okay god I'm just going to lean into your arms. I don't understand what's coming, going on right now, but I know that you're setting your word. I'm called to trust in you with all my heart. Lean not to my own understanding. So I don't have to understand, but I know you're working on my behalf. I know you're going to see me through this. Life is not fair sometimes. I had somebody say that to me recently. It's just Not fair. Not fair. Not fair. And I said, was it fair when Jesus was put on that cross? When he never sinned at all? He was made sin with your sins? Was it fair for him? So don't just sit there and say that and act like that. And, and it's not like I'm trying to condemn people. I'm helping people to, to recognize and see when you're being challenged. Don't, don't start to throw a little pity party. Instead, say, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul right now. Because I've come to my wits end. I don't know what to do. And when Paul said he rejoiced in that. Why? Because then all of a sudden he knows God's going to show up and get to working on his behalf. And you know what happens when he does? Hello, victory. Amen. And then all of a sudden you sit there and you start to think. "Hmm, I got what it takes to make it through this life. Not in and of myself, but by his grace, with his wisdom, with his strength. I can make it through this life. And then the next challenge comes, and you recall what he did for you back then. And you say, you stupid devil. You messed up again this time. I'm going to whoop you up one side and down the the other. Whatever that means, with the sword of the Spirit. Glory to God. God wants us to live victoriously. He never wants to see us suffer harm. He never wants to do anything that's going to cause us to be hurt. But when you're going through a strong, I mean, a a great challenge, again, the Bible says there is now no temptation that is overcoming you, but such as is common to, to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, to be tested, to be tried beyond what you're able to handle. God gives you the ability He gives you the strength to overcome, no matter what. I know it's not always easy, but I promise you, if you will go into it with the right mental attitude, God's on my side. God's grace is sufficient for me. I'm committing it all to you, and I know God because I am. You're going to come through for me, and I'm going to come out of this not only victoriously, but stronger and more mature in my walk with the Lord. And then guess what happens? Does the devil stop? Or does he turn it up? Don't turn it up. whoop stinking doodah. Let him turn it up. Because no matter how much he does, it will never, ever reach the level of God's grace that God has for your life. Oh, that's good news! God wants to see us overcome and live victorious and grow up and mature in Him so that when we then are faced with the next challenge, we can laugh at it. (laughs) Ha, 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 devil, you stupid. In fact, I think it was Lester Summerall tells the story one time. I love this story. He said all of a sudden he heard some commotion downstairs in his living room and the rocking chair was rocking back and forth. And he walked up, came out of his room, and he was, he was upstairs, and he looked down, and he saw the, the, uh, uh, the rocket chair just going back and forth, and there was no one there. And he said he looked, at the, he looked down there. You know, most people, and I would have to probably say for myself as well, I would probably, the hair would stick up on the back of my head, and I would probably be going, In the name of Jesus, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just keeping it real. But what, he, what, did, what, did, what did Lester the devil molester uh, Summerall do? He said he looked down there and laughed. and said, oh, it's just you, devil. I went back to bed. Can we get to that place? Does God want us to get to that place? Does God want us to be somebody that walks around on, uh, real sheepishly and with our backs cowered and, and, and like little whip puppies? Uh, you know, every time the devil raises his ugly head, we freak out. Well, does God want us to stand strong? Does God want us to step up to the plate? Does God want us to rise up and be who he created us to be in the first place? Born again believers, Christians, followers of Christ. God has given us everything we need to succeed in this life. I hope you're listening to me. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. You could have gotten born again yesterday. You still have what it takes to overcome the devil every single time he comes against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is eternally defeated in this world. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. You've got God's power living in you. Resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you. And so when the devil comes against you, you've got God's word, you've got the blood of Jesus, you've got God's power, you've got God's grace. It really isn't fair for the devil. So why do we get freaked out when he comes? Who cares? Who cares? I, oh, man, I could go off and run off in a hundred different directions right now. But we're talking about the grace of God right now. We're talking about how Paul handled it and, and the response he got from the Lord. He went through the ringer, people. And when he went to the Lord and said, Lord, three times, he pleaded with them, remove this from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And again, what does that mean? My ability released towards you is greater than the devil's ability released against you. Just look to me and I'll see you through this. I'll enable you to overcome this. Amen. Do you have what it takes? Are you born again? That's That's the only really prerequisite you need. I mean, obviously, you need to be growing up in the things of God, maturing in the things of God. How many want to grow up in God? How many want to mature in the things of God? So everybody's raising their hands now what does that mean you ready for the tests you ready for the trials you know and, and, and please understand this what I'm, I'm fixing to say i say this like the apostle paul said when he when he actually talked about those different things he went through he called himself a fool i speak as a fool because he didn't really want to be talking about these things but i've gone through a whole lot in my life my mom was killed in a car accident my dad died of cancer we lost a baby when the ba- one week before the baby was supposed to be due, uh, and, 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 and Joan's mom died of uh, a form of cancer, her dad died at a, uh, you know I mean he was in his seventies I believe early eighties, but the point I'm trying to make is is through it all, through all of those times, you know when I was smack I'll just use when my little girl died, boy you talk about knocking me for a loop, knocking me for a loop. Why God did that happen? What did I do wrong, Lord? How could she die? We had no complications. How could that happen? Was I not in faith? And, and I remember, I remember this. I remember I, uh, you know, got myself together. I was trust. I said, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. And, and I remember going to that funeral in that little casket, this big. And I just lost it. Through it all, God was there for me. He picked me up. He said, Daniel, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is there for you. And now I can empathize with people who have lost loved ones. Whether through accidents or, or something along the lines of what happened with our little girl. I can minister to them out of a heart of love and compassion. Giving comfort to them. Because I've gone through what they've gone through. That's what God does for us. He's the God of all comfort who comforts us with a comfort that only comes from Him. Then we can turn around and do that with others. See how I'm saying that? It's not easy when you go through things like that. I'm not saying it is. But if we can learn to trust in Him and look to Him, He will give us what we need to overcome every single time. Because the Bible is clear. We are the victorious one. Because Jesus is the victorious one. And we now are in him, amen? Glory to God. Are you guys getting something out of this? When we are faced with sufferings, when we are faced with challenges and tests and trials, commit it to God. The one who judges justly. Commit it to him. Entrust yourself to him. And then number two, begin to yield yourself to God's grace. God's grace is sufficient for us. To make it through no matter what we're facing. Amen. Glory to God. See, I I, I understand. I know there's people in this room that have gone through some incredible challenges lately. Some hard challenges. Tests. Trials. I know. Let me tell you, God loves you. And God's there for you. And God's going to see you through it. God will enable you to come through it. Why? Because He loves you. Because you're His child. No matter what it is, keep looking to Him. He'll see you through it victoriously. Amen? Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now for the word. I believe that, Father God, this morning, there are people in this place who have been ministered ministered to by your Spirit.